It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. We're on location at the Rooster Boy Cafe. It's located at Desert Shores in the northwest section of Las Vegas. And my guest is none other than chef owner Sonia L. Noal. Did I pronounce it correctly? Good. Yes, you did great. Excellent. And I, I wanted to interview the chef because not only does she make outstanding food, but almost even more important, what Winston Churchill said in her website was, never, never Never give up the pastries. I think that, that was not on your website? Yes, I said yes. that never, never, never give up your dream. But yeah, we could talk about pastries. pastries as well. So talk about your dream. How did you start out in the business of, and you've been all over the world, so tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I started working in San Francisco when I was in high school. I worked in a cafe and I really liked it. I liked the smallness of a cafe and how personal it is with people. And at that point, I learned to be a barista, made sandwiches, and so on. Then I moved to New York at 17, went to cooking school um, at uh, the New York Restaurant School. And then there, I ended up getting jobs with different chefs, and that's how the whole thing started. But something brought you to Las Vegas. What was it? Uh, Friends of mine that lived here uh, were in Las Vegas. And so when I left Mexico City, I came back to Vegas. I came to Vegas to move here. Did you, do you speak Spanish? Yeah. How many languages do you speak, actually? I speak five languages. What are they, please? Armenian, Arabic, English, Spanish, and French. And Piglet? No. no. Okay, no, that's fair. So what? since you decided to move to Las Vegas, you set up this cafe, and, and it has that, as you talked about, an intimate, interactive feel. So right. we're sitting at the counter here where just a stone's throw, not even a stone, a half a stone. Maybe even a quarter of a stone is where the kitchen is, which we're going to go into in a little while, uh, to prepare something. And I may assist you. I may not. Someone's got to hold the microphone. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you will. I'd like to do that a little bit. So we're sitting at the counter, but there's also tables behind us. There's also outside in the the area, outside for dining out there, al fresco. Uh, who's a friend of mine from way back. Al, Al you know Al, right? Very okay, well. Sorry, she has, she's forced to l- laugh at my jokes. I, I uh, laugh at his <laughs> jokes, yes. I always laugh at your jokes. But what's nice about it is that sitting at the counter, we, we talk to the chef, people talk to you, you talk to them, but you're also at the same time with your staff preparing breakfast and lunch. You're open for breakfast and lunch, not dinner. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you want to open I'd for like to do dinner, but I like to do it as a pop-up. So where it's a um, experience that's a little different from our daily routine. And so it's a one menu, not get to choose five different things. Right. How does that work with the menu? So you're, when you set up for breakfast, you have, there is a standard menu for breakfast, but there's also the board. So we always have our regular menu, and then we have specials. And my specials change from Monday to, I mean, Tuesday to Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday is more brunchy, more uh, geared for the weekend eater. How do you decide on the specials? Is it spontaneous the night before or the day of, or do you actually plan these things out? Most of the time, the specials are spontaneous in the sense of, uh, for me, they're spontaneous seasonally. So right now the weather is changing in Vegas. We decided that 
I want to go a little more fall. Like I know that tomorrow I may do this butternut squash dish I've been wanting to make. Um, roasted with pumpkin seeds and a yogurt garlic sauce and so on. But I really think of what we, sh what we have in-house and what we're getting and what I think would be great to eat. How about the idea of the culinary community here? Because you're relatively new to Las Vegas, so you have a chance to interact with a lot of different chefs and people in the business or in the industry. Has it been welcoming? Has it been so-so? Or how's Amazing. that work? Um, I think right now there's a big uh, renaissance with all the different chefs and local uh, restaurateurs and small restaurant and chefs are leaving the big strip uh, restaurants. Well, not all, but some that decide that they need to make their own expression and so they open their own restaurants. And I and we all are connected to each other and are supportive of each other. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good thing. When you start to do this, you have to take a look at not just the menu. You have to take a look at the costs and the location and all of that. Now, where you're located, as I mentioned, Desert Shore, which is in northwest Las Vegas in Summerlin area, for those of you who know that area, it's a very easy place to get to. You're not, and you just kind of drop in and you can just have a right. quick bite to eat, which is how you set this up. Right. So what happens when it gets slammed and you get so many people in here and you've got to get those dishes um, out? When we are slammed, we just run around a little more. <laughs> no, it's fun. I mean, that's we hope that the restaurant is busy so that we can make money. I mean, that's the idea. You know, if this restaurant was in New York or San Francisco or L.A., we would have a line out the door. Um, I think that our format is very different for a Vegas uh, right. clientele and I what I'm doing I think is teaching people or reminding them of where they you know because a lot of people that live here also moved here from the East Coast from the West Coast different places and so we're reminding them that hey we could do this in a different way it's okay it doesn't have to be like what they only know what was the biggest challenge in opening it the Rooster Boy. Um, our, I'm going to talk to you about the name in a second. Yes. Um, I think for me, the challenge of opening this cafe was that there was a closet and an outdoor space, and I asked the landlord to build it, and so we added a wall, and then to bring in the kitchen and the gas and the plumbing and the water, etc., to make it happen. And we don't have a lot of space. I mean, we are, every inch of this restaurant is utilized. Yeah, it is amazing because I watch as you and the staff prepare food, whether it's breakfast or lunch, and it's so small, and yet you're able to d somehow we do, do this. Yeah. yeah, we do a lot of things in our little space, and I love that. And strangely enough, I'm a little claustrophobic, but I don't get claustrophobic here because you have windows that overlook the, the terrace yeah, area or the patio area. It, it feels, it's, it's, um, it's like a, maybe we have a Napoleon complex. We're a small restaurant that feels really big, but I don't know. I just, I feel, because of the high ceilings, I think it makes a big difference. And um, the fact that the light comes in all day long, it's great. And I notice too, when I come in, you tend, you and the staff tend to scatter because, you know, it's, it's not easy being me. So, but you. Uh, uh, no, we don't no. scatter. Okay. Oh, no, I made that up. When you decide on a menu, and it's whether it's for breakfast or lunch, and you talked earlier about it being seasonal, but is it also knowing the client base, the customer base, in terms of what you're going to decide to do? No, for me, like when I made this menu, I wanted to have uh, 
the galettes that nobody makes really. Um, my breakfast menu is uh, inspirations from the Middle East, Mexico City, and the East Coast. Our Dutch oven pancake is something that no one makes, and now a few people are making. Every my granola is on there, so I have Rusaboy granola, and that's a big deal. And um, it's a simple menu where. A lot of people find something that they are connected to when they read this menu. So you're looking more for not just stimulating taste, but stimulating memories of where people right. came from. Because when somebody walks in and says, oh my God, you make shikshuka, nobody else makes that. I'm really excited. Whether they're Israeli or Middle Eastern or from Jewish from New York or whatever it is, they understand what shikshuka is. And so... We make a fresh pita bread for it, and it's homemade, and we cook it to order. I mean, it's great. One of the things on your menu is the, a Kaiser roll, and, and then I discovered that you actually make them yes. here as well. And you put a fried egg on the Kaiser roll. Mm -hmm. so Could you explain to our people, to our viewers and listeners, who many who may not know what a Kaiser roll is? They, they know what a fried egg is, but they don't know what a So our, a Kaiser roll is a very traditional New York uh, roll that... Anybody from the East Coast has had a Kaiser roll, so we make them ourselves. We make them once a week and then hold on to, you know, store them. So we either freeze them or put them in the fridge based on the week. Then we just heat them up to order. And the day we make them, they're perfect. They're plump. I wish I could bake them every day, but maybe when I open a bakery, I will. Well, you do do other, and we're going to talk about that in a moment with the pastries. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm going to talk you into going into the kitchen, which is literally three feet away. Well, right. you're in the kitchen. When I come around, we're about three feet from where you make it. And we're going to try some, have you put together a little pastry while we talk about it. If you had to pick one person who in the world, the culinary world, that was your mentor, who would that person be? Oh, my goodness. Um, so I work for Jean-Georges Van Gerichten, and I work for Julian Serrano, and I would have to say that they were both my mentors. Um, both of them. They were both great teachers to me. And when you mentioned earlier that there's a camaraderie among the chefs and other culinary people in Las Vegas, have you thought about having a, a one-off kind of thing, similar to what we just talked about with the dinner, where you have maybe a pop-up, but just all for the chefs and, and others, bakers, etc.? Uh, one where we all eat together or one where we're cooking? All eat together. Yeah, well, I mean, we try to do that sometimes, I think, but I feel like with everybody's schedule, that's hard to do. I am doing an event in Oct on October 6th called um, Picnic in the Alley, and that is an all-woman production where it'll be all women chefs in Las Vegas, and everybody working on the event are women, women, you know, production team, etc. the cameraman, everybody is all-woman event for everyone and it's called picnic in the alley and i think after events like that we all get together and hang out and eat together well for information on that and also for other things there's roosterboycafe.com but also roosterboygranola.com and see you cut me off see sorry i was getting there i was getting there i know we are i like the conversation so tell us about the granola okay so uh Roosterboy granola was started six years ago why do women do that to me all the time they cut what? me off is it because i'm too slow getting to the point no just okay. the way i am <laughs> um so Roosterboy granola was made six years ago i always made granola and when i lived in mexico i made granola at the hotel i worked in called condesa de Efe. And we, um, 
people would come buy it. So I knew that when I was going to come back to the States that I was going to make it with uh, taking the sugar and the butter out and replacing it with co extra virgin coconut oil and honey as opposed to what was in it before. And doctored up a little the recipes and made four blends. And now I added a keto blend and an AIP, which is autoimmune protocol. And that is for people who can't eat nuts, seeds, or grains, which is great. So we're going to start a launch in about a month selling it online for Rooster Boy Granola. And Rooster Boy Granola.com. Roosterboygranola.com, sorry. Will you? <laughs> and Cafe, you can buy all the granolas. Are you going to start to expand the product, the product line in that sense beyond granola? No, it'll be granola and granola bars for Roosterboy Granola. Okay. Yeah. But not, not Roosterboy cookies that you can... No, for Roosterboy Cafe, we have our cookies. What I'd like to do is develop that to Roosterboy Bakery. Okay, well... That's speaking my next idea. No, I like that. Speaking of bakery, uh, what are what are we going to bake? You notice I, I put we in there. Yeah, we yeah. are going to make almond croissants, which are one of our best sellers ever. We just sold about 600 of them at Life is Beautiful, which is a really great music festival here. Well, if you invite me into the kitchen, I will come and we will do it. All right. All right. Well, let's go. Okay. I'll be right back with my guest chef owner, Sonia El Nawal, at the Rooster Boy Cafe in just a moment. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You've seen mobsters and cops face off on the big screen. You've heard the legends of Al Capone and Elliot Ness. But how much do you know about what really happened? Dive into the true stories behind the myths of organized crime and law enforcement at the Mob Museum, the country's finest collection of mob artifacts, history, and interactive exhibits. Find out more and get tickets at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Chef Sonia, and she is with the Rooster Boy Cafe here in the northwest section of Las Vegas in Desert Shores. And we've been talking about food and pastries. And now we're going to be actually making almond croissants. Almond croissants. How do you start? Is there something that I can do without getting my hands dirty? No, you got to get your hands dirty. Okay, perhaps I could watch. Okay, all right, we can you do can, that. So first thing I'm doing is cutting my croissant that I baked. Right. How do you avoid cutting yourself with that? That's my, my main concern. Come on. It's, it's not that hard. <laughs> okay. Then, so I'm a wuss. Okay, fine. And then we have a um, almond filling that I've made. And the almond filling goes in. And then we're going to um, cover it with almonds. And it'll sit in the fridge overnight. And we bake it in the morning. And we bake about... Now the sales on this item we've been making... Uh, you. We sell about a dozen to two dozen, and we're going to sell more now since the season is... People don't, you know, in the holiday time, people want to eat this stuff. And also, it's cold weather, so... It's cold weather, exactly. So I like to use my hands, and so I wear this glove. Purple glove, very nice. Yeah. Now, you've got the spoon, you've got what appears to be spoon. pastry? 
No, this almond is the paste? almond filling. Almond filling. So what? So give us the ingredients. Pan, so it's eggs, butter, sugar, almond flour, and flour and almond extract. And then I cover the front part, and then we dip it in the almonds. So this for tomorrow is ready to be. It weighs a lot. Like I really, I feel like it almost weighs a pound <laughs> when we're done. Why does it look so good before you've even baked it? Because it's delicious. <laughs> I think because it's really good, most of all. It's like my favorite thing. Like, I swear. I mean, one time I ate this. Do not eat this in your car because we cover it with powdered sugar and then it'll be like all over your shirt. Oh, yeah. We don't want that. It looks like you had a fight with it. Right. I understood. So you want me to attempt to replicate you what help, you're doing. You can either help me do it or we can just hang out here while I do I'm going to hang out and watch you do it because okay. my skills when it comes to the kitchen are limited to uh, having someone else sharpen my knives. Okay. So uh, it's just the way it is. But, but I do do great poached eggs. That's good. Yes. You use organic eggs. And now that I do because you recommended it, so yeah. now I do. So we use organic eggs here at the cafe. Which is nice. And tell us the difference between, because people think that it's just a matter of the cost is more, but there is a significant difference between an organic, we're not just saying cage free, it's organic eggs versus non-organic eggs. What would be for well, your Well, I mean, so when you're buying regular eggs at the supermarket, those are, come from chickens that have, hens that have been uh, cooped up in a very small space and basically in a factory with the lights on the whole time. And so they're not even living their natural cycle of, you know, chickens go to bed. As soon as the sun begins to go down, they're already in their coop. They're going to sleep. And so they start laying early in the morning with the sunlight and they're very happy and they're hanging out. So I get my, um, my eggs from Claudia from Desert Bloom Farms and I love the eggs. And they're worth every penny. They're delicious. So when you open... The egg, you crack the egg open, and so you, we've seen you crack the eggs with the one hand. I use all three of my hands, but you use one. Correct. And so when you do that, what is the difference you see, and what is the difference well, so you taste? So when you have an organic egg, the, um, the yellow is super bright, and the white of the egg is very firm and very tight. So when you're cracking it, it just stays in the shape of the egg. And um, you can taste it. You taste a difference. I mean, we can do a taste test. You could bring, like, whatever eggs over, and I could give you Claudia's eggs, and it's it unbelievable. Plus, it's her eggs are e her hens are eating alfalfa. They're eating purslane. They're eating all the greens from the farm. They're eating so what we're getting in our eggs. Sometimes they eat pistachios. I mean, it's amazing what they eat. They eat, you know, whatever she feeds them, but it's great. Now, speaking of eggs, you'll see my circular logic or my yeah. square logic. Speaking of eggs, therefore chickens, therefore roosters, rooster oh, boy, oh. how did you get the name for the cafe? Okay, so when I was a little good kid, my mother in Beirut had these pewter roosters that were on our table. Organic pewter or? Yes, organic pewter. <laughs> I love your humor, Ira. <laughs> Thank you. Always, always ready. Always ready. Well, we were on the topic of organic eggs, so yeah, I just thought... Yeah, I know. I got it. Um, so the pewter roosters were on our table, and I, when I was in Mexico City, um, I saw lots of... Everywhere, there's a lot of imaging of roosters. Everywhere. So there's 
they have rooster fights and then there's rooster i mean gallo in spanish so there's roosters everywhere and i was traveling the prior to moving to mexico i was traveling in italy and i remember seeing roosters everywhere and i was one day in the kitchen and a guy I worked with was wearing a hat a baseball hat and it had stitchings of roosters and i thought to myself the next thing i open whatever i'm going to call my granola company is going to be rooster boy granola and that's how that started and the boy is my son and the roosters are because they were in our house that's a great way and a great story to uh talk about how you came up with the name yeah, and it's a meaningful for you so therefore it correct. it inspires you as you work through the kitchen so day, daily yeah and i wanted something that and and a rooster is a universal animal i mean in any culture the rooster is something that everybody connects to doesn't matter what part of the world you're in there's always a rooster somewhere true even if you don't like chicken, you like roosters because they're just interesting animals. Yeah, they're walking around making lots of noise. If it was up to me, I'd have a rooster outside. You know, that's not a bad idea. But the ducks are going to get mad. Oh, all right. They're not going to like that. Are you zoned for roosters? No, you know, I should ask. Yeah, that might be the cake. I know there's zoned for ducks at Desert Shores, but and roosters. by the way, sometimes we get ducks that show up and hang out. Yeah. So on the menu the next day is pressed duck? Is that what you're no, telling us? No, I would never okay. kill those poor ducks. All right. No, ducks are nice. Yeah, no, they're, they're nice. Ducks. So what we're looking at is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven almond croissants that you have just made while we've been talking. Right, and this will be for tomorrow morning. Does it have to be? Can it be for like right now? Well, we can bake a couple of <laughs> things. We can bake it right now. No, that wouldn't be fair. No, you, I don't want to cut into your profit margin, but I just think that how it looks even without being baked at this point. Yeah, no, it's delicious. And I have one I could show you. Okay, good. How long does it normally take? Uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes. Can I wash my hands? Yes. I need to wash my hands. Needs to wash her hands. I don't have to wash mine because I didn't do anything. No, just hanging. I'm holding the microphone, which is kind of pretty much what you're, I do. You're doing great. Oh, good. Thanks. Good. So you put this in the oven at what? 350, 450, 950? Uh, what? Yeah, no, definitely not 950. 375, 350, and it bakes for 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Depends if it's convection or not. And then I can show you one after. And then in addition to the almond croissants, I know that you have cookies because I have had a few. Mm -hmm. So what's your big seller? Is it the chocolate chip or is it the confetti? You know, the confetti is one that people love. And um, I, I think it's everything. And next week it's going to be rugula is going to be the favorite. You know that. Yes. For those who may not know what that is, please explain. Rugula is yes they do no rugula you'd be surprised tra traditional Jewish cookie that you eat during the high holidays, and the dough is made with sour cream and it's really delicious and you roll it out and you put um, apricot jam and a little bit of nuts and sugar and you roll it up like a little crescent but it's not a it's not a croissant but it's that kind of shape and they're so flaky and buttery. It's oh. so easy to eat like you'll eat like ten and realize oh no. <laughs> What's the biggest challenge for you in this small space in terms of creating either dishes or pastry or any um, particular item? I mean, I feel like once we close, we have a lot of shelf space, table space that we could work on. Uh, I know that when we, were, we did things for Life is Beautiful, we, had to, we made like a thousand chocolate chip cookies. So the production of that was really extensive. 
making the doughs, balling all the doughs, freezing the dough, or however we organized it. And I had everything baked on Thursday. The event started Friday. So I think the most important part is spa- table space. That's the hardest. But it's okay. We make it work. Yeah. yeah. What's the biggest challenge for you in Las Vegas? Is it because people are from all over and the word gets out that you're here and it brings them, as we talked earlier about the memory of where they were and um, to sample it or just people getting to know where, where you are and, and what you have? I think it's people getting to know who we are and what we serve and what we offer and people that also enjoy our experience. I mean, not everybody is in that. There's a definite trust uh, situation that happens with all my clients that come in. Once they come, the next time they show up, they're like, okay, just tell me what to eat. It's okay. (laughs) So that kind of trust is really very, uh, it's a really great connection with the client. And I think that that's why I like having an open kitchen and speaking to my clients. It, It helps me as well. You know, I think that when you're in a restaurant where the chef is behind, yes, they do come out, but this is very open. And it's also very vulnerable for every, you know, for us as the staff. It's like we share everything. There's, there's really no private moment. Yeah, you know, so we have to all, be, I always remind my staff, I'm like, it's a show. We're all on all the time. Yes, the Truman Show only is the yeah. Sonia show. Exactly, it's the yes. Sonia show. <laughs> what do you look to for the future? For the, for the cafe? Uh, I would love to open a bakery. I'd love to have a bakery. I'd love to have a second cafe in another location. I'd love to be able to serve mimosas and Bloody Marys with this cafe. Um, I have a few other ideas I'd like to open. I'd like to have a Middle Eastern restaurant. So I want a, a place that, that really is very authentic and that also is a beautiful dining room and a really great experience. How doable is all that? It's Las Vegas where dreams come true all the time. Yeah, no, it's very doable. It's just going to have to be like a few years scattered out. Yes, yes. In the slow rollout, are you looking at the next two years, the next three years for all these different elements, which I think you're going to become the Sonya Empire, is what I'm saying. Oh, I do like Sonya Empire. I like the way that's... Sonya Inc. Yeah, Sonya Inc., yeah. um, Yeah, about like three, two... Well, something should happen within this year. That's our granola rollout on being uh, an online store on gr- at roosterboygranola.com. And then I want to do the bakery and then do the restaurant. And with the granola, since you can sell it online, how much of a shelf life does it have? Meaning you can uh, order online, you get it. How long will it stay? Do you have to put it in the refrigerator? You can put it in the fridge, but it also will last about six months. I mean, I don't use preservatives, and so... I recommend for people to hold it in the refrigerator, unless it, you know, if they're in a cool place, it's fine. As long as it's somewhere cool, it's great. Can you freeze it? You can definitely freeze it. I don't recommend you eating it frozen. No, but you can freeze it for six months and still use it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. My guest has been Chef Sonia L. Nawal. Did I get it? Very good. Excellent. Rooster Boy Cafe, and it's roosterboycafe.com and Rooster boy granola.com see i got it out all of that yes thanks for being on the show thank you thanks see you next time you've been listening to talk about las vegas with ira each week ira david sternberg talks with the celebrities entertainers writers and personalities who make las vegas the most exciting city in the world 